Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Woods and Waters Project Podcast. This week's episode is a little different than what we've had before. I am interviewing Nathan Putnam, who is a pack goater, pack goat packer. I'm probably not saying that correctly, but this episode speaks to my little homesteading heart. I hope to have a pile of goats someday. And actually, I did a post saying, hey, when I when I move out into the country, I'll be looking at getting some goats. Anyone have any advice? And Nathan reached out to me. And I had already been following him and his adventures out west, hunting with multiple goats, 36 goats, guys, 36. And it's just like a different world to me. The rugged living, the simplicity of it all, going hunting with 36 animals. I I can't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I was so excited he wanted to be on this podcast. Actually, when we start the interview, I cut out a little bit of the beginning because Nathan and I had to reschedule a couple of times. Turns out he was on bed rest during this interview because his appendix burst. And you can imagine what you've heard so far. That doesn't bode very well for his lifestyle. But he gave us a great interview. It was awesome to talk to him and learn from him. And I cannot wait for all of you to meet him. Let's get into this episode.
we get into why we're talking about goats, <laughs> how many how many goats do you have? Um, so we counted the other day. Uh, currently, I have thirty six, but fourteen of those are babies. Um, tw- Twelve of them are going to be sold here in the next month, so uh, that'll drop our number. And then we're selling three of our um, of our our mothers, our dams this year, along with their babies. We're selling them to uh, just people that we know that wanted to start pack goat strings and wanted some proving pack goat genetics. And so I'm I'm selling some of my stock so that they can do that. And we are refining what we're doing, our breeding operation, and just having a look at certain lines uh, that we've that we've proven are good pack goat are, are good good pack goat genetics. So uh, like we have our trooper line, which is our 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 Boer line, um, and I really like all the babies that he's produced, and he has a daughter that's beautiful and produces really great pack babies, and she's got two daughters, three now, um, that we're going to use as our breeders, and then, um, and then the Titan line is what the foundation of our pack boat genetics is. So all of our Boer Alpine cross girls that we bred this year and all of the babies that they've produced. And so the two that we're keeping there are Calamity and Arcadia. And then, uh, yeah, so we're just, we're trying to, uh, we're trying to refine things in order to produce a very particular type of goat, um, within a certain standard that I would think is the ideal pack goat standard. So, uh, it's like, it's kind of like what people do with dairy goat operations and with meat goat operations is you're always culling to, uh, to your own standard well in pack goats it's the same thing we we cull to our own standards and and in these cases the girls that i'm selling they meet my standards i just am trying to focus on particular lines because i think it's easier that way and uh and and it produces more consistent results so so pack goats like how did you how did you get into this in, in the first place? Uh, so, so out here in the Northwest, there's tons of opportunities for hiking, hunting, um, but everything is super steep. Like it's all dirt bike trails, uh, horse trails. So if you really want to access the remote places, then you need stock animals. And I'm a big backpacker and a big hunter. And I was out hunting and I I ran into a guy that he he came in that evening. He wanted to give the, he scout out the place. He was going to hunt it the next morning. He lived close by and we got to talking and he said, you know what? Like, why don't you hunt here tomorrow? And if you get anything, come and grab me and we'll haul it out with my goats. And it was the first time that I'd ever heard of anything like that. Uh, I had had these dreams of being a homesteader and goats had always been one of those things that I wanted because I wanted, I wanted something that was a viable meat or not meat, but milk option. Um, and, uh, you can utilize them for meat, obviously, but I don't like to do that. Uh, I like to hunt for it. Uh, but I always wanted a milking goat and then I always wanted to be a homesteader and then I'm finding out that I can use goats for backpacking and hunting. And I was like, Oh, this is the perfect animal. Like this will fit into my little homesteading lifestyle eventually. And so I was sold on it after that. Like I went, I went home and I looked into it and I did a bunch of research 
and I was living out of my truck at the time uh, and uh, just cruising around in the National Forest and working in Boise, but uh, popping around on my weekends to all the campsites and going hunting. And it was it was pretty much like the ultimate bachelor's year was me living out of uh, out of a the bed of a power stroke and just doing whatever I wanted to hunting, fishing, camping, wherever I wanted to. But once I, uh, once I found an opportunity for some property in Boise, uh, the very first thing I got, I got was scopes. I, I got property in the spring and, um, I, I found a place that where a guy let me put a, put a camper on it. And, uh, so I had five acres that I was living on out of a camper in Boise. And the first thing that I did was I got goats and I used them to maintain that property and, uh, help with like weed abatement and everything like that. But that's when I started building my pack string. That's an, there's like so much in there that I feel like we could dissect from like living in your truck and travel, traveling the national forests and, uh, using them for hunting and just how you built up from never hearing about that before to now having 30 plus goats. <laughs> so there's like so many things in there. So before we dive into that, I guess we totally skipped over this part. Nathan, would you uh, give like a brief introduction of yourself and like who you are and uh, yeah, whatever you want oh, sure. to say. Uh, so so uh, my name is Nathan Putnam. I am 35 years old. I live in Mountain Home, Idaho on 15 acres and am building a, um, a house and homestead out here. And I raise and train pack goats. <laughs> and the reason I was so excited, the, like when you actually responded to a post I did, because I, I had just, so I started following you on um, Instagram, I think, and then we're friends on Facebook. And I, I am so excited you're on this podcast because, so on Woods and Waters Project, I want to interview all sorts of like hunters, outdoorsmen, anglers, travelers. Uh, there's been a heavy... Uh, group of hunters on the podcast but like the part that I'm like obsessed with with just what I know about you is working with the goats and also the road travel piece which is just another thing I could talk about for forever but I had done a post on how I'd really like to later in life I think be a homesteader I would really really love to at least a small part of me wants to have goats have chickens um I'd really like to have a falcon or an owl and do some sort of hunting with them as well. But I did a post on uh, goats and how I, I thought that I would have one someday. And when I'm not traveling as much, I'll, I'll have multiple animals and have a little homestead. And you had commented on there, like, because hey, I had said I, I would really love to have someone on my podcast and talk about this. And you're like, whenever, whenever you're ready, let me know. And I was... I had, I've been following you for so long and wanted you as a guest, but for some reason it was like, when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so pumped. I don't know why I hadn't just asked you in the first place because I absolutely have wanted to have further conversations about this because just being from the Midwest, like I know that, you know, pack, like using pack animals is a thing out West, but it's just not in my everyday. Um, it's not something I hear about or see about. Uh, you know, following your page, seeing things like the um, 
and gets North American Pack Goat Association. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're organized. It's crazy. It is there, crazy. There are thousands of us out there. Um, but yeah, 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 and it's just, it's uh, that's the one thing. The, the one unfortunate thing is uh, it's very particular to this region. There are people out in the Midwest that do have pack goats, but they're mostly just training them and hauling them to the Rocky Mountains when they're doing hunts. So uh, it's not very prevalent over in the Northeast or on, on the East Coast just because of the way that things are there and the way that the trail systems are and everything like that. We have a little, we have a few people over there that are trying to use them, but uh, but there's just so much like wild and open country out here that it's a perfect place for them. So it's it's really cool to see people like yourself and their reaction, and then uh, like. My favorite is like like Midwest farmers, like like boer, like there's a lot of boer producers, and I'll show them some stuff with my boer stock, and to, they're always so excited about it because, like, these are really special animals, and the only way that they've ever been utilized in the past is just as like meat production, milk production, uh, grazing, uh, uh, that sort of thing, and then to see people that are actually like integrating them into their lifestyles, their outdoor lifestyles, and their family lifestyles is like a whole it's a whole new mentality for for people so uh like like goats hiking goats are are the new hiking dogs basically mm-hmm. so i think we're going to start seeing that quite a bit here in the next few years there's um there's a lot of interesting people out there that like non-goat packers that are doing things i uh i follow a girl kate battles um who her instagram handle is like argo odyssey and they live out of a uh, airstream. She's an artist. They live out an airstream. Uh, they're based around Seattle, Washington, and they have a goat. They have a little pygmy goat that they that they have on all their adventures, and they travel all over the country with their pygmy goat. And uh, and it, it's her name is Frankie. Um, super cool couple. We I started talking to them and told them about NAPCA, the North American Pack Goat Association and our camp out and invited her to it and, and they showed up to the event with their airstream and with their goat and they had the discovery channel following them filming a documentary and so the discovery channel came to, to film all of us as well too so it was a really cool, cool experience yeah that's awesome so and this is like where i just think and get real deep into stuff sometimes um there there's something nostalgic about this like this has been something people like humans have been doing since i i imagine kind of the beginning is like there's got to be a history associated with this like using pack goats um it's like it just seems so old school in my mind and something you don't see and hear about and now that i'm like uh like talking to you about this, I'm I'm gonna start following way more um, things about this guy. I think it's so cool. Like I've there's <laughs> there's there's definitely something primitive about it. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's the it's the herding mentality. It's the idea of like spending time outside with your animals and and like developing a deep emotional bond with them and like like traveling across barren and distant lands with them. And that's what makes it so cool is this is the modern version of that. But there have been nomadic goat herders for thousands of years 
we're just the the modern version of that yeah are you uh is this like your full-time is this a full-time job am i a a full-time goat herder yeah uh no i (laughs) so so i do i do have a real job um i am a regional manager for a chain of, of pawn shops um around boise idaho i uh I am the man behind the scenes. I do a lot of stuff with guns. I was company gun broker for years, and then stepped into my my position. So uh, it kind of feeds the lifestyle as far as uh, have access to, to camping gear, hunting gear, uh, all of the things in life that I could possibly want. And then on the homesteading side as well, uh, we built our whole house with tools that I acquired from the shop. So uh, like miter saws power tools uh everything that you could possibly need for that i've been collecting in order to build the house and so when it was time to finally build the house i already had everything that i needed so where people are paying to have contractors come that have these big trailers full of tools um and uh, and all that knowledge i had all the tools but but not the knowledge. So in order to build our house, I just had friends that were contractors come over and show me how to do something. And then I would go and do it or we'd organize a work party or something like that. So it, uh, like my profession has definitely aided in my lifestyle choice because, uh, I would have never been able to afford to do all of this on my own, uh, without it. I wouldn't have had the knowledge and the skill set in order to do all of this and I wouldn't have been able to acquire tools in the way that I did. Um, so it worked out really well. It's, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that my company has given me and it works out really well with the goat lifestyle too, where I, um, I have minimal responsibilities. Uh, I just, I just kind of have to give second opinions, go and do audits, that sort of thing. So, uh, as far as like, like birthing like during like during march we're kidding constantly and so i i cut out early and if i got a girl that's pregnant and i think she's due then i might stay stay at home that day or i might come in later or whatever like feel her out before i leave so it's worked out to where i can be around for the important things like when baby goats show up yeah like and with with working and everything, that that's kind of what I think about is, uh, I think really one of the only reasons I don't have, and I would I would probably never have like the extreme that you have living in Iowa. I can't say that. I don't know. I get pretty like obsessive about stuff. But um, in the future, I just think about with how much I'm gone or how much I do, you know, having someone to that I would tr- truly trust to check on my animals or take care of them when I'm gone has to be really hard. Especially with that many, I would think. Oh, oh, of course. Um, that's uh, that's honestly, I think that's a, a bigger reason why people are scared to leave. Like that's the big stigma about having a farm is that you're never able to leave. And I think it's just about having a manageable farm. A lot of people get overwhelmed with having too many animals, and oh, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and uh, it, they're spending five or six hours a day feeding their animals different things and. Um, and I'm fortunate that I, when I bought property, the, the neighbors on both sides have goats, but I have a really good relationship with our, our neighbors on the left-hand side. And uh, 
Charlie, the neighbor, she watched after the goats when I was gone for that camping trip, Friendy. And then when we had that emergency, she just kept looking after them. And and goats are easy to manage. They just need they just need food and water. Um, these guys especially. So she just fed them once a day and made sure that they had water and. And that was that. So, so a big part of it is just establishing good relationships with your neighbors if they're willing to do work for you or uh, not getting overwhelmed with the amount of animals that you have uh, and being able to find somebody, somebody that can actually help. Because like goats, I could, if not for my neighbors, there are local kids that I could have come by and feed them once a day. Or if I'm gone for a three-day weekend, then I can haul, we have a we have a rolling 1200 pound bale hay feeder and I can haul it into their enclosure and drop it there. And that I'd, I'd come back and every goat would weigh 300 pounds, but at least they wouldn't be dead. So there's a, yeah, there, there's a lot of options as far as that goes. Yeah. Do you, uh, so the goats that you use, are they all like a specific breed of goat? Uh, no. So, there's there's a lot of opinions in the pack goat world about what the ideal breed is um so i started out with bowers uh i didn't really know what i was doing when i was getting into this uh i didn't really know how how to reach out and locate goats and the the types that i wanted but i had talked to a couple people bowers are really big breed um uh, like male bowers can reach 300 350 pounds uh, they're just big, stocky, muscular meat goats. And so my originals were all Boer stock, and I had a lot of really good learning experience with, the, with them. And then I started figuring out exactly what I wanted and figured out what other people were doing. And the most interesting thing that people are doing in the pack goat world um, that isn't common in the dairy world is uh, is genetic crosses. So they'll they'll or sorry breed crosses so they'll they'll cross um alpines with sonnens um toggenbergs with Oberhosley. like there like there's a whole mixed bag of goats that are acceptable as far as pack goats go but there are very few out there that were crossing with boer and so we started crossing alpine with boer because alpine is the, the king as far as as pack goat genetics go and so I found the best possible alpine genetics in Idaho, and I started breeding with that and created what I call a, a bowpine or a bower alpine, and then uh, that was Titan, and trained him as a pack goat as well, and now he's my best goat. And then I uh, weathered him, which is when you, you castrate him, uh, um, um, a goat that's been male goat that's been castrated is called a weather uh and then went with a uh, sable sonnen buckling and now we are producing a saber boer alpine cross or what we call a saber pine cross and we've just we've taken the genetics that we like from and the qualities that we like from each one of those goats and we've been able to produce what is to us the perfect pack goat awesome yeah that makes a lot of sense like i i figured i mean breeding is a fascinating thing there's i've actually been listening to a few 
uh, random podcasts as far as dog breeding goes too. And that's like a whole nother, that's like a whole nother thing. Um, I would actually love to have another podcast talking about things like that, like kind of whether it's a goat or a dog or what we're talking about to kind of be like, I mean, really your hunting companion, like what makes them best suited? Because I'm sure not every goat works out, right? Like I'm sure there's there's ones that just maybe aren't suited for that type of lifestyle, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of how it goes. Um, and that's not just with the, the mixes, but that's with the, the, pure, uh, the pure breeds as well. But I used the... Um, the hunting dog mentality when I started breeding pack goats, because we have a, um, we have a wire haired pointing Griffin yeah. and it's a really neat breed. Um, it's like a versatile, uh, like upland, uh, uh, like water retrieval, whatever you want to do dog. Um, and it's only been around since the 1800s. It's, it was, it was developed from mixing certain breeds and um they're closely related to the uh, dutch drother i believe yeah um and also uh there's the just the german wire hair so it's kind of it's kind of its own little um it, it's its own little uh niche there in the in the retriever world the or the i would say i guess it's the pointer world um but but that's after looking at stuff like that and seeing that people uh, people once upon a time were able when they didn't care about um, breed standards and uh, show dogs and this or that they were breeding high performance hunting dogs. Um, that's what they were doing is that they were taking the best the best of what they had available to them and they were crossbreeding it to create what their idea was of the ideal hunting dog. So. So why not do that in the goat world and to take the best of what's available out there and create the ideal hunting goat? Yeah. Makes ton of sense. And when, okay, so ideal hunting goat, what are you primarily hunting for with, um, with your goats? Oh, we do everything with them. Um, we, uh, a big game hunt with them. Uh, so elk hunt, mule deer hunt, uh, we do predator hunts with them. I've hunted bears over them before. Uh, I've turkey hunted with them. That's always interesting. Uh, <laughs> and it's and it's mostly <laughs> they're way easier to, ways to hunt, but I just enjoy including them in it, and it's an opportunity to get out there with them. Um, but but yeah, we I've taken them on elk hunts. Uh, we have uh, September elk is really big out here. We have a we have some great archery options. Uh, I run with a group of friends that are super into archery. I'm not an archery hunter myself, um, but I go and tag along with them. And uh, in the opening weekend in September one year, we hauled out two bulls with those goats, and it was five miles pack out off the mountain. It was uh, it was 2,500 foot loss in elevation uh, when we picked up those bulls, all screen deadfall, some of the gnarliest terrain that you could imagine. And those goats ate it alive. So um, I don't think that there's any other pack animal out there that could have done what they did. But that's that's why that's why I have them is because we're going into places that no other no other pack animal can get into. You can't get in there with a llama. Um, you're you're physically climbing hand and foot over things to get to get in there, and the goats are climbing up over them with you 
whereas with a llama, they're trailing you, uh, mules and horses. I don't even like, I don't even know where to start with those guys. I just know, I don't know that a goat will do it, anything that I want it to. Yeah. Do you worry about them being like stalked? Like where you guys are at, like there's, there's a lot scarier predators than where, where I am. So do you worry about your goats like going off track or like other animals stalking them or them being in danger or that kind of thing? It's, it's always kind of in the back of your head as far as like predators go. Um, daylight on trail, um, off trail, not super worried about it because we're making a lot of noise as we're moving through there. I mean, goats make a lot of noise, especially you got, um, you got their panniers hanging off their packs and they're scratching, they're scraping against things. And, um, it's, it's definitely when you go to do a final stock on an animal, you definitely have to slow everything down. And, like, and if you really have to learn how to work those animals while you have goats following you. Um, but it's the nighttime is probably the biggest concern. Um, we have wolves, mountain lion, bear, all in the areas that we're hunting. And so it's just really about how you set your camps up. So you set your camp up so that you can immediately respond to a predator threat. If, if there was one, uh, all of our goats are high lined, so there's no, they're not going anywhere. And then we're just addressing whatever the threat is. I've never had any personal issues with predators. I've stared black bears down at five yards and the just they've always run off the other way um i've mostly i'd be worried about uh, mountain lions just because they're unpredictable um but the cool thing is that if the goats ever feel really spooked by something even if you don't know that something is there they start to stick closer to you and so uh we've had like coyote encounters when we're hiking and then all of a sudden i'll have like 10 goats clumped around me because there's this coyote that's 60 yards off of us yipping and making a big fuss over nothing. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. Their response to you as far as uh, like, you're their ultimate protector. They know that they've been raised and trained uh, to know that from the first day. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that we're always aware of and always prepared for, but Personally, uh, in my history and with thousands of backcountry miles with goats, it's, it has never been an issue. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like I, I imagine like being in a group setting too, it's probably not as like, they're not as much of a target. Like if you're there and they're, they're together, do, do they, do any of them just kind of take off and go do their own thing or run off? Do they mostly stay no. together? No, they, uh, goats have a, um, have a herd mentality. And so they're always sticking together. Uh, if, if one is lingering behind, then another one is yelling for it. Uh, I had an incident where one, um, he went, he, he went down, he got heat stroke or something like that. Um, heat exhaustion. And so he, he just stopped as we were coming down the mountain and I didn't notice it because he was at the very back. And so we went for maybe like 30 seconds and then all of a sudden one of my other goats started sounding off and calling to him and I was like what's all this ruckus about you know what's all the commotion about and when he's just standing there staggering and he's just too hot and hadn't had enough to drink and um so i stripped his pack off and i ended up carrying his carrying his pack for him and 
um, got him off the mountain. Uh, but but yeah, wandering, it, wandering isn't really a thing. Uh, in, in fact, it's something that like it, if it does come up, it's that's something that you don't want as a pack goat trait. And so, so responsible pack goat owners they they call that kind of stuff because uh, the worst thing would be to lose a goat in the back country. That's what everyone wants to avoid. So, so that's yeah. I would I wouldn't even deal with a goat that had the faintest habit of wandering. <clears throat> yeah. And how long before you know, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone. Like I think of like getting into coon hunting this last uh, year and a half. Um, you know, not every dog makes a good coon dog. It just, it doesn't really sometimes matter, uh, you know, what their, their bloodline is. Um, some just kind of have it or don't. And that goes for a lot of different, a lot of different animals, but, um, but some, they show promise right away and then they take a turn and then it's just not for them. And then other ones take longer. It might be two years and all of a sudden you've got yourself one hell of a dog um, and, the, and it just clicks for them. Is it kind of the same thing or is there like a timeline when you know if they're going to work there, out? It, it, I, I'd say that by two years you're pretty sure. Yeah. Um, like working with them on trail during hikes and stuff like that. Um, and then the convenient thing is you can't load them with any gear until until about two years that's about that's right around when i prefer to start start loading them we do reduced loads uh, a goat reaches full maturity at four years that's when they can carry a 25 percent load so upwards of 50 pounds um but but yeah so so and the the zero to two year goes by really quickly uh, i've never really had any goats that i didn't think had trail potential it's just it's about your expectations for them. Um, the same thing with a dog, like uh, like with bird dogs. You know, like is your expectation that he holds a point, or is your expectation that he just finds birds? You know, like like with Godric, I like as long as he finds birds, I'm not I'm not disappointed in him. And if he's willing to go into that river water when it's 20 degrees out, then I'm happy not to have to go and do that myself. So. Um, so with goats, same deal. Like it depends on your expectation for them. Uh, there are guys that are hardcore hunters and they're doing, uh, 10, 15 miles a day and they need goats that can keep up for, with them as far as that goes. But there are also families out there that just want to do a three mile hike with their kids and not have to carry anything. They're carrying, they're carrying their three-year-old. They don't want to carry a backpack. So I like, if a goat doesn't work out in one aspect, there's always another job for him as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes complete sense to me. And that's kind of what I pictured. It just, uh, with that mini, it's, it's gotta be a lot of work. It's probably a never end, like a never ending job. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so with, with, uh, I guess with your first, did you, you kind of went into this before. So like when you got your first goat, did it just start with one? Uh, so when I started out, my originals were, um, I started out with three goats, uh, trooper, who's a, who's a red bower. Uh, and he is currently five years old. He's 250 pounds. Uh, and he's, he's one of my pack goats. He's one of my string goats. He's, he's the one that I learned all of my original goat knowledge on, uh, just like uh, him, uh, him and me stubbornly trying to figure out how to get this goat up and over a mountain. Uh, day after day but uh, 
two of the girls that I had, that I bought were Dana and Karma, and they're my original breeders. And I uh, got a couple batches of babies out of them. Uh, so I have a couple of Trooper's sons still with me, uh, Frost, Trooper's daughter. Uh, so, so that was those were my originals. And then two years later is when I picked up Titan. And that's when I really started hammering down on like breeding pack goat genetics. I had a, I had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to develop and my expectations for my goats after dealing with trooper. Um, and, and seeing some of the setbacks of using like the Boer, the Boer breed, the pure Boer breed as a pack goat. And so I started to figure out what I wanted and, and it just went off from there. So I've, I started with three and this is like six years ago or troopers five, I guess he, he's, is he's five or six. He's five. So, uh, so troopers five. So five years ago I started breeding and, um, and here I am with 36 goats. So <laughs> they, they definitely multiply if you let them. And that's not even including the goats that I've sold. I've sold a handful of goats a year because we're pack goat breeders and uh, you can't keep them all, obviously. But, but yeah, so I've probably sold another two dozen goats over the years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so how long how long have you been working with pack goats? How many years? Uh, same. Five years. Five. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's. That's incredible. Is it something you foresee doing for forever? I feel like you're pretty in deep now. Oh yeah. We, <laughs> um, like I bought this place with the intention of developing a lifestyle around them. I built the house, um, and set up the property so that we can, we can, everything that we can, we do is revolves around our lifestyle with our goats. So it is everything that they need. Um, as far as, like food and shelter and space and then it's a perfect uh base camp for us it's a place for us to set up for our next hunting trip our next camping trip and we are 20 minutes off snake river so in the winter uh godrick and i can go and hunt ducks and uh, bust pheasants and then in the summertime we head up into the sawtooth and the trinities and uh and I guess in the spring, summer, fall, that's where we spend all of our time hunting. So, uh, we, yeah, it's, it's the perfect, it's the perfect place in between the things that I love to do. That's awesome. That's really cool. You can just tell it makes you like really happy. <laughs> and this I, is something I, you genuinely love. It's really neat. I, I grew up really, I grew up really poor. Um, I grew up in like HUD housing in Concord, New Hampshire, and uh, I didn't ever have anything. I never had anything. Like we never had anything growing up, and it taught me an appreciation for living with nothing. But um, it's really cool to like have saved up and bought land and built my own house. And these are like dreams that I've had my whole my whole life because I really didn't have anything growing up. We did, we never had a house, you know. So uh, like or like well hell if I like. If, if I just save up enough money, maybe I can build my own house. So um, that's that was kind of the mentality this whole time. It's just we're we're really big into like sustainable living, um, into permaculture. We 
are uh, very frugal when it comes to how we do things. Uh, I love using recycled materials. It's one of my favorite things to do because it costs little to no money. So we kind of have developed this whole lifestyle around those principles, which is like minimal waste and, um, and producing the best lifestyle for our animals. Yeah, that's really neat. How long did you... So you have a, like you have a like a permanent residence now. But how long were you kind of living on the road and hopping around before all this? So um, I was I lived out of my truck for a year, um, and it was great. But I'm six five and crawling in and out of a camper every day, like like a camper shell, like a like. I lived in a little four by eight by four foot space for a whole year through one of the worst winters that we had. And, um, I decided that I wanted, I really like the tiny home lifestyle. I think it's great. I think like, like minimalism is awesome. It's one of like, one of my favorite things about what we do is not having a lot because you don't need a lot. And so I had everything that I needed in that little truck, except space to stand up and a real bed. And so I, I built a tiny home, um, and I built it off of a, I, I bought an enclosed car hauler, gutted it, uh, built in some walls where the doors used to be, put in some windows, and then refinished it and did, built a little one-bedroom tiny home, 120-square-foot queen bedroom or queen bed, um, dresser, small small table, kitchenette, wood stove, everything that I could possibly need. It was like, like, like the ultimate hunting camp that I could live out of year-round if I wanted to. And, and so right around the time when I finished building that was, that was about my two year mark of like living on the road, let's say. And I, uh, I had an opportunity pop up for me. Uh, I could, I had a, I had a chance to go and live on five acres up in the foothills in Boise. And so I jumped on it because that was an opportunity for me to start my homesteading lifestyle. But but when that happened, I also knew that like opportunities like that can turn on you really quickly. And so that's when I, when I started looking heavily at the land and, uh, I bought this, the 15 acres as a backup option is, uh, like a long term. I eventually want to live out there, but, um, this is convenient for now. And so, uh, that's what I did was I, I lived up on, I lived, lived up on Bogus for four years, five years, I think. And, um, and started developing this property out here. Uh, we built a shop, we put up pasture fence, uh, we started building shelters, that sort of thing. So it was really easy. It was a really easy transition when it came down to having to move out here. And we, uh, we were able to build the house too. I, I was, uh, the guy wanted to start developing the place that I was staying on. And so we, he gave me a window of time to get out and, uh, and start building. And so he gave me a, basically a year and that's what we did is we just, we broke ground that spring. Uh, we put in the found, like we like put in the foundation that summer. We did the framing in a weekend for the house and it was all just friends. We had, we had a framing party, uh, over a two day weekend and, had a group of friends out one day and we did the house half and then we had a group of friends out the next day and we did the greenhouse half and uh yeah it's just been 
it's been kind of a whirlwind getting this place together, but uh, now it's uh, it's in stages of being finished. We're we're like we're done with all the major work. We are still living out of the camper, but we're at the point where we're ready for um, we're ready for our next inspection, and then it's just going to be finished work like drywall and putting in like bathrooms and kitchens and stuff like that. That's exciting. That's awesome. That's super exciting. Is there anything about uh, like your lifestyle and working with pack goats that you wish someone would ask you about <laughs> that you really want to talk about? <laughs> Is there anything that I, God, no, I mean, I, I don't think I can tell you how awesome goats are. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's like, everybody always focuses on like, like what animals can do for us. But to be honest, the thing that I enjoy the most about it is the relationship that we share with these animals. So, uh, I would be happy carrying my own camp gear and still camping with goats. That's just where it's at. Like I would be happy with taking in like a handful of goats, carrying my own backpack with all of my stuff, just because I see how much they enjoy being out there. And so, so really what, I honestly enjoy the most about this life is just the relationship that I've been able to develop with these animals that otherwise you wouldn't have, you wouldn't expect that, you know, like you see a bunch of goats in a field and you think like, Oh man, those things don't have any personalities whatsoever. Well, you're wrong. That's for (laughs) sure. But like I've been around other livestock and like, like cows, I I don't know, maybe cows have personalities. I I've never thought that, but goats have probably more personality than a, a normal person can handle sometimes but I but I think that. that's what I, I, I think that's what I enjoy about it the most is just it's it's a really unique lifestyle and it's a really unique sport the sport of goat packing and it has it has helped us it helped it's helped push us to do more and enjoy our lives more and every weekend can be a backpacking weekend if we want it to be every weekend can be a hunting weekend if we want it to be because we're able to include our our animals in our lifestyle we're able to and the things that we love to do they love to do them as well so i think i think that's the neatest thing about goats is that they they don't they don't keep you home you don't have to worry about a farm sitter they just come with you wherever wherever you want to go you know like are we are we hunting chucker this weekend sure let's bring (laughs) the goats they'll carry our they'll carry our food and water you know are we are we hunting elk this weekend? Great, you know. Let's go out and let's spend a few nights out there with them. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely something that is is lesser known about the capabilities of the um, animal. It's just that like uh, possibilities are limitless with these with these guys. Like like they'll really do whatever you want them to. I have a friend that has a paddleboard and she paddleboards with her goat. I think so, I follow that friend. I think you tagged somebody and I saw that, and uh, I followed her. And I have yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm already stalking her. Yes, that's uh, that's her. Her handle is um, I think it's the Goat Laws. Yes, maybe. Yep. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's one of our friends, Alyssa. And the neat thing is that goat. Her her goat's name is tim timmy scrinkle um and he is a son of titans so it was an arranged it was an arranged breeding with a dairy that we have near us in glens ferry and uh i i did it because it was in a way to experiment with uh with pat grove crosses with breeds that i didn't have 
uh, Kiko and Nubian. And she produced some great goats out of that. And Tim just happens to be one of them. So he's, but he's, I think he's the only paddleboarding goat out there. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, how many of their, of those can there be? I bet there will be more now. If they follow oh yeah, page. sure. So, <laughs> so. We're, we're working on the kayak goat. We'll, we'll get Boomer to get, come and be our kayak goat, but it won't last long. He's going to be 250 pounds himself one day. So that's the problem with all my guys is for novelty things like that. They get big really quick. So yeah. That's really neat. Is there like a like a particular type of hunt you you haven't done that you want to do with them? Um, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to do like a like like in the backpacking world they're through hikes. I would really love to do a through hunt with my boys. Where um, I love muzzleloader hunting. It's it's probably my favorite thing, and we have a um, we have a hunt here in september which is muzzleloader elk and muzzleloader deer the elk is a draw tag the deer is it's a doe over the counter tag and i would love to do a muzzleloader september hunt with my goats where i just went into the woods with them and just went and lived off the land and and got both of my animals and just kind of did the mountain man thing for a whole september like 30 days uh, regardless of whether or not we got it, shooting grouse, you know, um, fishing at mountain lakes, that sort of thing. That's that would be my dream hunt. And uh, the cool thing is, it's totally possible. I just uh, I, I don't have the thirty days to commit to it yet. So, so so that one is in the works. Yeah, that's really that sounds incredible. You should definitely. I don't know if you like to write or. Like you should record that experience on some level. Um, I, I would, if you, if you ever do that, I would definitely want to have you back and hear all about that. that <laughs> I can, really I can cool. definitely, I can definitely do that. I got enough coats that I can probably carry at least like a video camera and a couple other cool things. <laughs> but, um, another, uh, or I was, gonna, I was gonna say another neat thing that I, it's kind of the same idea, the same principle, but. Uh, Alone had reached out to me at one point to um, to try out for their show, and I always thought that it would be really neat to do an like uh, alone with goats and go off their same principles. Like these are your ten survival items you need to live out there as long as possible, and then just be out in the back country, just mobbing around, surviving off the land with goats. I think that would be pro- a really good time. I 100% think so, and I think a spinoff of that would be really cool. I don't know how many, you said there's thousands of you out there, so I guess there could be um, a number of people who could do this alongside of you, but you could probably have your own thing if you wanted to. I, I think I think it'd just be fun just to do it. I was I had to turn the lady down because we're in the middle of a house build, um, and so I just, I couldn't designate that kind of time to it right now, but I, I, I would love to do it on my own level and, and include the animals in it and, uh, and some of the principles of the show. But, um, to, like, to be honest, I, I don't know. I like, I, I still, I still love my rifle and my shotgun. So it's really hard to leave home without those guys. So it would just be, um, we would have to modify some of the rules. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. 
That would be super neat. I would watch that show. I think that's fascinating. I mean, that's why I wanted you on the podcast. Like, it's just a totally different world. And it seems so, um, the way you kind of talk about it, very, like, you've been doing it, you know, a while, but not that long. Um, Yeah. It seems very, like, easy and almost nonchalant. But this seems like a big undertaking to me. You know, like, my eyes are huge thinking about how you just went from zero to 60, like, so fast. And um, Oh, it's... uh, (laughs) So uh, the best way that I can explain it is it was a huge undertaking. Um, like learning, learning everything has like, has been over hundreds of miles, you know, and, uh, and five years isn't a long time to be goat packing. There are people that have 20, 30 years of goat packing experience. Um, uh, uh, like NAPCA, like the original people that founded NAPCA, the original goat packers, the first guy that slapped a pack on its goat, on it, on a goat and called it goat packing was, um, in 1975. And, and so it's, it hasn't really been recognized as a sport like before then, you know, there were probably other people that were doing it or like throwing saddlebags on goats or who knows. 1975 was when it started. Um, but then fast forward to now, you know, like I, like I have five years of experience, which is nothing compared to some of those guys, but, but the difference is, the amount of trail miles that we do and the amount of goats that we bring with us is what produces the experience. Like you can hike with two goats for five years and gain almost no knowledge other than how to work the, with those two animals. But if you bring 16 goats with you, you'll learn a lot on just one trip. So, and we have hundreds of trips with 16 goats. That's like our, that's like our average is like, like, what are we doing today? Like, do, like, do we want to make things interesting and bring 20 or do we want to go easy and only bring 10? Yeah, that, and is, I guess, uh, where you live, is it kind of, did you head out your back door and, and start going or is it, do you, do you kind of have a, a drive to get into some areas you'd want to be? Um, not necessarily out our back door, but like mm-hmm. uh, our closest, our closest hiking spot is 20 minutes away. So uh, 20 minutes, 20 minutes south of us, and we're hiking along the Snake River. Um, 30 minutes north of us, and we're hiking in the foothills of the uh, Trinities, and uh, underneath Bendit Mountain, that sort of thing. And then an hour away, and we're really in the thick of things. We're in National Forest. So uh, I've, I was talking to a guy at the Rendy, and he was saying that the, like his closest drive to hike goats is four hours, and I was. I wasn't aware that there were people out there that had trouble getting to hiking spots, but that's, that just speaks for how like small minded I am as far as like, like I'm only really, I only really have what's going on in my area and my radar, you know, but, but yeah, we're very fortunate in that sense that we can like, like 20 minutes down the road and we can be hiking, you know, two hours drive and we're in the middle of nowhere. So so that that's been the the best thing about this opportunity is that there there's no excuse not to hike them. There's no like oh, I don't want to drive four hours today to go on, on a hike. It's just like well, it's so close that we we have to do it. You know, it would be silly not to. Yeah, and is there? Why well, I, I am assuming so. Like if someone's thinking about this and wants to get into this, or just wondering how could I. Uh, learn how to do this or join I guess my first part of that my first part of my question is I'm assuming there's some uh, physical fitness that has to go into this that's pretty important right um 
Yeah, there is, but uh, it's just like if you can hike, uh, if you can hi- uh, if you can hike, and then you can get into goat packing. That's just how it goes. And and they might be an opportunity for you to get in better shape. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't get into them as a lifestyle change. That'd be a terrible idea. You know, like oh, I'm I've been sitting on my couch for the last five years of my life, and I want to get back into shape, so I'm going to get into goat packing. That's a terrible idea. But if you hike and you enjoy hiking with dogs, especially if you backpack that sort of stuff, if you hunt, then by all means, it's really easy to get into it. Um, and and it doesn't take more than buying a couple bottle babies. You know, like uh, there's lots of great resources out there. There's the North American Pack Goat Association. We have a website. It's uh, napka.org. Um, there is packgoats.com that's run by Mark Warnke. He's a hardcore hunter and um, super knowledgeable in pack goats. And those are the two main resources for how to get started um, on top of our Facebook forum. We have, uh, there's a North American Pack Goats discussion group, and that's, people, people join that that don't have goats and they glean information. Then they decide what breeds they want to get into, um, how they want to get started. They kind of fumble through things, but that's the, like, that's the best way to go. So, so it's totally viable for a person like yourself to go and just buy two Alpine bottle babies and raise them and start doing little, little hikes with them and start taking them on camping trips and backpacking trips. And then in four year time, four years time, having two goats that can like be hauling deer off the mountain for you. Yeah. Deal. <laughs> I'm in <laughs> like, this is, uh, it, I feel like I'm going to have so many questions. I mean, I think the chances of me doing that real soon are probably just pretty low, but I definitely wanted to have goats just in like my own backyard. And I, I want to, cause you do classes yourself, right? So if someone like, can someone connect with you to learn this directly from you too? Oh yeah. And, uh, and I don't, um, they're not like courses or whatever. Uh, my favorite thing is just to like, if people are interested in getting into goats that are local to me, then I just invite them hiking with us and that'll make them decide whether or not they want to get into them real quick. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to meet with people. I have people over, they meet babies, that sort of thing. So I'm very like hands-on, very in person. Um, Mark Warnke, uh, with patgoats.com, he, he has online courses that are available. If you're just like you, you're one of those like, uh, book learners, online class type learners. Mm-hmm. I never really cared for it because um, you really don't know what you're getting yourself into until you see these animals. And right. so even even if you're not local to me, if you join, if you reach out to NAPCA, um, then we, we can put you in touch with people that all over the over all over the U.S. that have goats, that have pack goats. And um there are lots of people just like myself that would love an opportunity to hike around with a person, show them the ropes. And, uh, that's kind of what everybody needs in order to get started is just a little helping hand. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for talking about all of this. I feel like there's just so much, there's so much I, I don't know. And, and, and so many questions I think I would have. And I really appreciate it. I, it does not steer me away from wanting to get goats. It makes me want to have them sooner rather than later. And I think it would be really cool to like pack with any animal. Um, but yeah, I was always kind of curious like why people choose um, 
maybe goats or mules or horses, you know, one or the other, and kind of the benefits of them? I I think that a lot of it comes to, to upbringing, and yeah. if if you're if you're raised in the country, then you have a lot of experience with horses, um, and so that's why a lot of people steer towards those. Uh, the, the llama guys, they they love their animals for their own reasons. Um, there are people that pack with donkeys, and I think donkeys are the most annoying animal in the world. I can't even imagine listening to one of those things. Um, I have to. I have my neighbor has donkeys, but uh, but but yeah, I think I think it really just comes down to your circumstances. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the neat things about goats that that. People that have never had livestock are attracted to goats because they because they are small and there's the ability to have them on smaller properties. If I had a quarter acre of land um, and uh, I ha- and I had a nice backyard, I I would be comfortable like a nice sized backyard. I'd be comfortable making a a area for them like a pen for them where I could have two goats and take them hiking on weekends and give them everything that they could possibly need in order to be happy in that backyard. And, and, and it would be great. Like, and that's, and that's the perk of pack goats is that they don't need a lot. They don't need a lot of space. Um, whereas like when you get into the horses and mules and stuff like that, it's just like, Hey, they're expensive, you know, like, like God, I was, I, I was listening to, I think these guys were talking about uh, horses, uh, like good trail horses being like, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars, you know, and a good pack goat will cost you fifteen hundred dollars, and and that's like the super high end. You know, you're usually spending between like five and seven hundred for like a good mature pack goat. Um, you can get them for less, but they usually have um, issues that come along with them. And then babies are still cheap, you know, like uh, like most breeders are selling their babies for one hundred and fifty bucks. Um, as bottle babies, uh, upwards of 500 for some of us that are like actually breeding like pack goat genetics. So, so it's totally, it's totally reasonable for just a normal person that has, um, like, uh, like a relatively good sized yard to be able to get into livestock that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to get into. Is, is there any um, is there any words of wisdom or anybody like listening thinking this is something they want to try out that you'd, you'd say to them or you know just even in um, not even just with the goats either like what I love about you and what you share and just you've you've said this in a couple different ways in this interview is it seems like it's not just about the goats we keep talking about the goats because that's just so freaking rad but it's like the way you live your life there's like a lot of simplicity to what you're doing and um just i i don't even know the right words to say it like something that i've been experiencing in my life the last few years is i worked really really hard at my corporate job and to have nice things and have money because maybe i felt like i didn't have those things before but what happened is i spent a few years of just working all the time in an industry and a job, I really just, I knew in my core wasn't maybe what I wanted, but I just really wanted to have the financial things because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. 
And what I found is like a few years in, I was just really not myself and really not happy and really disconnected from things I actually loved. And what I mean by that is like spending time outdoors and, and hunting specifically um, and hiking and, and writing and all those things. And the more that I throw myself into them, back into them obsessively, uh, like sometimes I'll talk to people about, okay, for example, uh, when I go snow goose hunting, when I go, uh, I go with my boyfriend and, and the guide service that he's with sometimes and they'll have me, uh, they had me scout and they had me put out decoys and uh, fill, you know, pick up the spreads and, and do all the grunt work, right? And when I tell yeah. people that, some people look at me like I have five heads because I, I'm like so excited when I talk about it. And what <laughs> I, and when I, what I try to explain to people, some people totally get it and some, some are, again, look at me like I have five heads, but is there's something for me about the, it's really physical. It's a long day. It's a lot of work. Sometimes the weather really sucks. It's either really hot, really cold. Um, it's a lot of tedious stuff. Um, but I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. Like I get a lot of satisfaction of the scouting and, and watching and watching the, the geese and, and their habits and starting to understand them and then going and picking a spot and helping people set it up. And then at the end of the day, like getting other people ready for this hunt and then, you know, whether it's successful or not, having a lot of pride in that and, and just the, the process makes me happy. And I think there's like a, a piece of, it's kind of a mental escape. I like the hard work, but also I just, every day I feel a little bit more capable. I feel a little bit more something to be proud of, you know? And I get a lot of the sense of that, like from talking to you and just the things you've done and, and what lights you up. It has to be, there's pieces of that that I'm picking out from this conversation, you know? Oh yeah, I, th I think it all just comes about um, like taking more pride in the things that you're doing for yourself. So um, like I, my time is incredibly valuable to me and I, it doesn't matter like what a person is willing to pay me for it. If I, if I'm not happy, then it's not worth it. So, so there are a lot of job opportunities out there where I could be making double or triple the salary that I make, but I'm not interested in those because then those companies own your life. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I like, I totally understand where you're coming from is just like it, sometimes it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about making money. It's about the, the quality of the investment. And so, so like gaining that, gaining that knowledge, that hunting knowledge and being able to go and commit that time and being able to show the proof of your work, you know, those are, those are the things that, uh, that I love most about my life. You know, like I'm most proud when I have finished building something and I go and say, Hey, Jackie, come and look at what I built you. And she has a really long list for me of things that she wants me to build her. So uh, it makes me proud when I at least knock one of those out. But, uh, but, but yeah, but my, my best advice for, for people, um, as far as getting into goats go, like, like do the research, you know, you can't jump into things. It's a terrible idea. They're like, like I've talked about how great they are, but they can also be very frustrating. Um, and that just comes with livestock ownership. But um, as far as pursuing your dreams go, you know, like, like there's no reason to be stuck at home doing things that you don't want to be doing, you know, just because you have to show up to work on Monday at a job that you don't really like. You can develop your entire lifestyle around what you love doing. And, uh, and it just means making good choices. So, so for us, it was just uh, when I was a kid, I knew that I didn't like 
I, I didn't like my uh, my lifestyle. I hated the way that I was that I grew up. I never wanted to be put in that position again where I never had money, um, where we were broke and didn't have anything. And so instead, I learned to live with nothing. And then I've uh, I can't be happier with what I have now. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm very grateful for everything that I have in my life and the fact that I can walk all over this place and I can look at every single every single angle in this house and every single thing that's been built and everything out on that property and I know that that was my work that created that so so that's the thing that I that I enjoy the most that is beautifully said and I can totally see that and hear it in your voice and I just think in a weird way uh, I think we're all kind of craving a little bit of that and sometimes we figure out what that is for us and sometimes you know people unfortunately don't but I it may not be goat packing necessarily but I think there's something um, really attractive about it and like in inspiring and kind of out of this world at least for me like it's just not normal it's just not normal here but um, I just think it's really cool and I would love to experience it sometime uh, just I, like, you, you are welcome to come out and pack around with us whenever you want oh thank you so, yeah yeah you're more than welcome to but but yeah I think I think the reason that people are attracted to the idea is just because um, it's Idaho is the last frontier it's uh, I, I let's we'll put Montana and Wyoming in there too but there's some of the last places where there are the vast vast wildernesses where you can get away from people and and this is the original American dream is what uh, what we're living is it's it's not the white picket fence and the green lawn it is carving a lifestyle out of nothing for ourselves and um, and then also going and spending time in the mountains and uh, and and exploring places that people have never been before so it's kind of where it's kind of like the original homesteaders you know we're like load up your wagon and move out west that's what we're doing just we're we're doing it in the 21st century absolutely i i love it i i think it's uh it's super cool and i really appreciate you coming on here and sharing about it and I definitely will be sharing like your information and the resources we talked about in the show notes. Uh, I can't believe like an hour of time's already gone by because I, I'm just kind of like in this like bewildered state <laughs> about all of it. <laughs> well, well, you're if you want to do follow up, we can do that. Uh, there are lots of things that we didn't touch on, but uh, but if people are bored with me, then just move on to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for. Thank you for all of this, and please take care of yourself, and uh, so you can get back out there. <laughs> I, I'll be fine. I should be patched up in a couple weeks, but I really appreciate you reaching out to me. This has been fun. Good, absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. Bye. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Nathan. Please follow him. Link to his Instagram is in the show notes. You guys are incredible. I love you. I love you. I love you. Until next time.